Amen. On September 11, 2001, 19 militants associated with Islamic extremist group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airplanes and carried out suicide attacks against the United States. Two of the planes were flown into Twin Towers at the World Trade Center in New York City. A third plane hit the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., and the fourth plane crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Almost 3,000 people were killed during 9-1-1 terrorist attacks, which triggered major U.S. initiatives to combat terrorism and define the presidency of George W. Bush. 9-1-1, I don't know where you were during that time. And I know, I, I'm sure if you were alive during that time, you probably have an idea, but it was a time like we've never seen in that moment. And I can tell you that we have all had low points in our lives. We all face at one point in our life, something that brought us to a point of question. And I know that day there was a lot of questions going on in a lot of people's minds. Why, why is this happening? With the lives that were disrupted and interrupted and affected by this, I'd have to say this was truly not only attack on the United States, but attack on the world. And today marks the 21st anniversary and memorial of 9-1-1. 21 years from the date today, this event took place that completely changed so many lives forever. It's interesting as I find myself on this day speaking that it's hard for me to ignore such a time that took place. And it's perhaps one of the reasons why I have is my message title, Finding Strength in Moments of Weakness. Finding Strength in Moments of Weakness. I remember during that time, watching on the television, the sight of these towers on fire, couldn't really understand what was going on or why a plane was hanging out of it, at least half of it. Thought it was some sort of movie they were previewing. I thought maybe, you know, something is, they're just gonna change the channel, but it didn't go away. The fire continued until the two towers collapsed. And as I look onward from that moment and I look back to see what happened to those people who were in that building, I'm often amazed by the stories that I hear of people in moments of weakness finding strength. And no many people died in that fire, but because of the courage of others, many were saved. There were firefighters that were up there trying to help people. Other workers who were just themselves just stranded up there were figuring out how to get out of this terrible dilemma. And my heart breaks when I hear these stories because I wonder for myself, how would I have responded? What would I have done? You know, in those moments of time, and I don't know what you would have done. I don't know. For some, they found a way out. And that was outside the window. 
For some, they found a way down. That was down those hundreds of flights of stairs, wearied with their story, trying to encourage the other person, keep going, keep going. However that moment was, it was not something that was easy. And they needed to find strength in moment of weakness. And I'm telling you, church, today is no different that we hit low points in our lives. There are things that happen in our personal lives that bring us so low. But it is critical that we find strength. It's critical that we find strength in those moments of weakness because that is what our survival is depending on. Our low moments of weakness in life, you have to understand, sometimes are sent by the enemy. The scriptures in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is always looking for someone who is downhearted, someone who is at their lowest of lows. And I've said this comment before that the devil never fights bad things. If there's bad things in your life, the devil ain't fighting you. It's when things are going good, when there is potential, you find that there's things happening in your life that you don't even understand. You have to understand that God is going to get glory, but you've got to be strong even in those weak times. Hallelujah. For those who have gone through challenges, you know what I'm talking about. Those who experience difficulty in life, you understand what I am saying. And I think about that moment, even on September 11. And I said, what is so different about us today? That was one moment in time. When I look at the scriptures, especially Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 12, it reads, for man also does not know his time. Like fish taken in a cruel lot, like a bird caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. If there's anything that we know about crisis is that it can happen to anybody. And so it begs the need for us to be prepared, to be prepared for the unexpected, to be prepared for what we don't see. And you hear that and it almost sounds, what are you telling me, to live in anxiety? To live afraid every time? No, I'm talking about living with an understanding that today could be your last. Understanding that tomorrow was not promised to you. Nobody promised us tomorrow. Today is what we have, so we make the most of it. Hallelujah, today. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 12 says it like this. Therefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he falls. We all have to ask ourselves, are there moments in our areas in our lives that make us a prey to temptation. 
Are there moments and errors in our lives that make us pray to being deceived? Hallelujah. We are not ignorant of the fact that there are so many people who are walking oblivious to what is happening in their lives. We pray the way we pray because we understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means when I go through challenges in life, it isn't necessarily the person who's causing the problems in my life. If you've gone through difficulties and arguments with, with whoever, it may not be that person that is the issue. It's the spiritual realm that is working. And that's why we have to understand how precious our minds are. Your mind is so precious. The things we read, the things we watch, it's one of the reasons we're so careful with our children. We won't allow them just to see anything and hear anything because we're trying to guard their hearts. Our eyes are the windows to our hearts and our ears also have access as well because our mind is also helping to shape our worldview. The things that we see and hear, our minds have a, a play in that. And it's why it's so important as I, as I stand here that we understand that we have to guard the things that are in our heart and mind. We have to be vigilant, church. We have to be aware of what is happening around us spiritually. We have to understand that the enemy is always going to use a device to try to discourage you or make you go lower than you currently are. Hallelujah. But you have to understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are we truly living prepared? Are we prepared to expect the unexpected? Are we prepared for what tomorrow holds? One of the ways we can know this, as I said, is by considering the thoughts in our moments of challenge. The Bible talks about the mind being a type of battleground. And we have to learn how to meet the future prepared so that we have victory in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that victory must be won right here. The mind. The mind. We heard so many scriptures, and I believe the Lord is dealing with our generation and this church about our hearts. When I talk about the mind, I'm talking about your affections, your mind, the way you think, the way you behave, your subsidity to things, your, your subsidity to things, your, your tendency to things. I'm talking about the things that can cause us to lose our way. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I often enjoy hearing stories of people who overcome. If you're going through challenges, Find someone who's been through it and has survived. Don't go to the graveyard and call on Miss Betsy. She's gone. You go to the living. 
you go to those who have survived and you find how they did it. But when it comes to the Bible, I can use these individuals because the Bible says that those are in Christ, those are in God, they don't die. So I'm talking about my friend David. I've never met him, but I've read about him. Hallelujah. He's not dead, but he is sleeping. <laughs> Praise God. But David is one of the characters I've grown to love because of his heart. Because of the things he has experienced himself. The challenges that he has gone through in his own life. And you don't need to go very far. When, when you begin reading the Bible, you begin to understand these are ordinary people. Sometimes, yes, we are, they are so fascinating to us because of what they do. But they were just like me and you. They all had tendencies. They made terrible mistakes. We read about it. And the thing about God He's not about hiding business that needs to be out in the open. And I'm not talking about trying to expose anybody here. I'm saying God has a way of showing us that we are just as human as they are. So his word illuminates us to see, my God, this can happen to someone who, who is after God's own heart. This can happen to this king and this priest, this person who's supposed to be a man of honor. This can happen. Yes, it can. But read how they respond to it. Don't get caught up in the mistake. Look how they turned around from this thing. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at Psalms chapter 13. Not a very long scripture verse at all. Scripture at all. Psalms chapter 13. Praise God. And we are going to look at this. Praise God. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, just that it, uh, it has some more modern language so it helps us to kind of understand a bit better but psalms chapter 13 and here is david's crying to god and we're going to get into this but it reads how long O lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me how long shall i take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily how long will my enemy be exalted over me consider and hear me O lord my god enlighten my eyes lest i sleep the sleep of death lest my enemies say i have prevailed against him lest those who trouble me rejoice when i am moved but i have trusted in your mercy my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hallelujah. This is a powerful chapter, very short, very brief, but it highlights so much important things here. 
Number one, that we all will go through challenge. And there's nothing wrong with being transparent with God. Something not going good in your life, be honest with God. This sucks, God. Yeah. Get real. I'm not talking about insults to the God that made you. But you tell God what's happening in your life. I think we've made it so much that we have to tiptoe around problems because we feel God may not look at us the same way. God already knows what we go through. He knows. But are you honest enough to tell him how you really feel? You didn't get the job. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You didn't get the job. Oh, God is good and greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. No, 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 no. God, I didn't get the job. I can't believe this, God. What happened? I thought we had an agreement. I was praying. You told me. I heard something. You can be honest with the God who created you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to know what's on your mind, really. What is bugging you, my child? Talk to me. I want to hear you. And it's wonderful that David questions God. How long, God, will I stay in this situation? Have you not heard me? I've been here. I've been here. And I don't hear nothing. And we see as we read these first two verses, he is in despair. David is in a moment of despair. But he does not stay there. We see as we read even through verses three and four that David begins praying to God. After expressing his true feelings, he begins to pray. He begins to consider me and hear me, oh Lord God, enlighten my eyes. Help me, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest those who trouble rejoice when I move. Have mercy, help me. And you see his response after his prayer was then to praise God. He says, he says, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hallelujah. David was still in his situation, but he found strength in weakness because of God's character. God is still his salvation. God is still a just God. God is still a righteous God. My deliverance may be delayed for a moment, but God is still true to his word. I may not see it now, but I am going to rejoice. I've expressed my frustration. I have prayed and I have chosen to trust God. Hallelujah. I'm here to say, don't you dare negotiate a surrender with the devil. When things are not going your way, don't you dare negotiate with the devil a surrender. 
every negotiation that a person has with the devil always ends up in their failure. And we have to understand the enemy knows when we are weak. This is the reason why I said we have to understand where are we? Where are the moments in our life where we are the most weakest? You have had to understand when are you the most weakest? Because if you don't know what that is, I guarantee you the devil will. He's lurking and looking for weakness. And certain things just have to happen in your life. And he may be able to expose something. Ah, you didn't deal with that. I'm going to get you here. Every weak area in our life, we need to expose to God. We need to tell God about it. We need to stop skipping over the issue and talk to God. What are you struggling with? Stop talking about how it used to be. Talk about what's happening now. Stop waiting for someone to give you a good word. Talk to God. Tell God I've been like this for so long. I need help, God. Get me out of this situation. Don't you dare negotiate a surrender with the devil. You will lose every time. The enemy knows when we are tired. He knows when we are at a place of weakness. He knows when our minds are not sober. And he will do anything to cause us to lose our trust in God. We consider Jacob and Esau. As the Bible speaks in Hebrews 12, verse 15 to 17, it says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this make you become defiled, lest there be any fornication or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Esau became almost a laughing matter because of what he gave up in his moment of weakness. He was tired, but he allowed his carnality to ignore his spiritualness. The very thing that was going to define him, he pushed it to the side and allowed his carnal mind to have dominion. We have to understand that if we're not careful, we will give in to temptation at our weakest moment. Give in to temptation. Utter things that we would not normally utter in a mind that was sober. Behave in a way that we would normally behave in, but because we are not sober, we act out of order. We have to be careful of those times in our life that make us vulnerable to the enemy. We cannot allow ourselves to miss the blessings and the promises that God has because of our moment of unchecked weakness. If you find yourself in a moment of exhaustion of life, can I encourage you to trust God for strength? 
Rest in God. Hold your peace and rest in God. Don't allow your flesh to negotiate on your behalf. When you are in a moment of weakness, that is the time to trust even more in God and to wait on him for your moment of deliverance. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Hallelujah. Paul understood very well that all people, even him, a minister of the faith, you don't think that Paul sometimes questioned, what am I doing? Do you don't think Paul, who wrote about majority of the New Testament epistles, that he wondered, is this all for naught? Paul went through so much. And there were moments of weakness that he experienced. But he understood, except he checked this with God, it would overcome him. It would overtake his life. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says it like this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is this really saying? Don't give up. Don't give in to the enemy's desire for your life without a God. I love the church. I love the church and the soul winners who understand that everybody's life does matter. When we sing that song, you are important to me, it isn't just a nice jingle. It's real. You are important. Your life matters. No matter what the world will tell us, we all heard about Queen Elizabeth, wonderful lady, I'm sure. I've never met her. But 70 years she ruled on the throne, dying at the age of 96. And I'm telling you, although I don't know her, except God's hand was on her life to even keep her that long, she wouldn't be there. But even Queen Elizabeth is not exempt from giving her life to the Lord. You can serve your country for 70 years and still go to hell. I thought I did my, my due diligence. I thought I served. Yeah, you served, but the wrong master. You, 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 you served, but it wasn't me. I, you didn't serve me. You were serving your self-interest. And I'm not trying to draw conclusions, but I'm telling you what the word of God says, that he is our salvation. There is no other man, no other, there is no other savior. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is our salvation. And I'm telling you that sin waits until we are off guard. It waits for our weakness. It waits when our defense is low. It waits when we are unprepared, thinking that everything is okay, but it is not. I speak about David because his example to us 
shows us that there are things that happen in life that are our fault. There are things that happen in your life that are your fault. But then there are things that happen that are out of your control. But they both require a response. They, re they both require a reaction from you. Hallelujah. The story of David speaks about a time in his life where he made some terrible mistakes. He had an affair with a woman that was not his wife. How do you have an affair with a woman that's not your wife? He committed adultery. He killed a man by sending him to war and taking his wife. He committed a sin that was so gross in the eyes of God. And I'm saying this because David was given a kingdom. He was given something. And he was given it in righteousness. And he was set there by God. But he made some terrible mistakes by committing that act. The Bible says because of his sin, that the sword of violence will always be upon his house. If God declares something over like that over your life, it almost feels like you're doom gloom. If God is saying, I'm going to be an enemy in your life because of your behavior, it's like you just say, well, God, I can't win. If God is beating me up, who's going to help me? But something about David said, even in my moment of weakness, I'm going to trust God. Because of my mistake, I am being justly treated. The Bible says his sin resulted in his son Absalom warring against him. The Bible says that Absalom chased his own father out of the kingdom. You imagine the king is running from his life because of his son. The Bible says when he ran for his life, his heart was broken. That his own flesh and blood would want to kill him. Not only that, but his friends began to turn their back on him. When we read about David and Ahithophel, that name may ring a bell to you. Ahithophel was one of David's counselors. And in fact, the Bible says that Ahithophel was so vital and so influential. Whenever he spoke, the Bible says it was like an oracle of God. When he gave an advice, it was a good advice. But what happens when Ahithophel becomes your enemy? The Bible says when David was hiding for his life, it was told to him that Ahithophel has now conspired against you. He is now one who was supposed to be your counselor, is now counseling your son. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before when you thought you had a friend in low places and they became an enemy in high places. That's what happened in his David's life. But the Bible reveals to us David's heart in that moment in time. And I'm going to quickly just read this. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 15, 
verse 30. I'm going to go there as quick as possible. You can turn there with me or just flash it on the screen. 2 Samuel. Chapter 15. Verse 30. Praise God. Are you still with me? Praise God. Here's David's heart. Here's David's heart. So the Bible says, so David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. Despair. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Hear this next verse. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he had worshipped. There was Hushai the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. I want to stop right there. David in his despair went to the place where he finds his most comfort, the hills. I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Do you not know that David was at a, such a low point? And sometimes news cannot be, even the news like that can be a dagger for your heart. You are already going through something difficult and now you're telling me my best counselor is also in this? David could have threw his hands up and said, I'm done with my life. Take my life, kill me now. What do I have to live for? But the Bible says in David's despair that he went up to pray. He said, God, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. And he worshiped God on that hill. Can I tell you that that prayer literally saved David's life? We don't have time to go through all of it. But I'm telling you, a miracle took place. Because when Ahithophel was cons cons conspiring against David, God took what Ahithophel was trying to do and turned it on top of his own head. And the Bible said when Ahithophel found out that nobody was taking his advice. Have you, have you noticed that about some people? They're the go-to and all of a sudden, nobody goes to them. They're supposed to be the smartest cookie in the room. But no one's taking their advice. The Bible says Ahithophel put his house in order and he hanged himself. He committed suicide. Ahithophel killed himself. But that prayer that David prayed was the way out. Because he said, God, turn this thing into foolishness. I know I deserve to be where I am, but this is unjust. Turn it around. And God did that. David didn't choose the easy way out. He chose the dirt ground. 
He chose to pray. He chose to worship. What do we choose to do when we are in despair? What do we choose to do when we are at our weakest point in life? What are we doing? I don't know what everyone was doing on 911 in that burning building, but I know that there were people praying. Those who knew their God prayed. Those who trusted in their Savior made a covenant that day and lived. The testimonies are online. You can find it. There were people who gave their life to God in that moment of weakness. They didn't choose the easy way out, as some were doing, jumping out the window. But they said, oh, God, if you can save me, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And God made a way. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we stand? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you are at your lowest, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? Who is your counselor? When you're hard on yourself about your own mistakes, who are you talking to? Are you going higher or are you going lower? Who have you surrounded yourself with? The Bible says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You need to find godly influence in your life, especially in hard times. You cannot trust every voice that comes into your ear. You cannot believe everything you hear. You need to understand that God has his best interest for you. Even Joseph found this out. It was hard for him, but he declared it. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. God wants good for your life. He wants good for your life. Hallelujah. Are you tired? Then we need to pray. As Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Are you at a place of physical exhaustion? Well, my Bible says, get some rest. Psalms 127, verse 1 to 2 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Sometimes our greatest weakness comes when we are actually physically tired. Look what happened to Esau. He was just tired. But if he was in his sober strength, would he really give up his birthright? Would he really trade over the inheritance from Abraham for a bowl of little, what, stew? That would never have happened, church, but he was tired. When you are tired, you sleep. It sounds trivial, but it's the truth. The enemy knows when we are at our weakest place, and it's when you are weak. Hebrews 12, verse 1, as I'm closing here, our praise and worship team, if you can come. 
Hebrews 12 verse 1 says it like this. Therefore, we also, therefore we also, we are all surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily uh, uh, besets us, which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking onto Jesus. Can someone say Jesus? The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the glory that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. You can find strength in moments of weakness. Your strength has to come from God. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there things in your life where you find you are low? Are there areas in your life that you find bring you away from God? Can we connect with God even in this moment? So that he can give us strength in our moment of despair? Can we get the voice of the Lord in our heart and in our ears? The word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Can we get to a place where we are actually hearing God speak to us? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We all go through things, church. That's why God came. He came to save. He came to heal and restore. Can he do that for someone today? You don't have to have your life all together to be prayed for. It's okay. It's okay for things to be going wrong in your life. That is life. That's what is called being a human being. Nobody comes to God perfect. But the point is that you did come. When he called you, you didn't ignore him. It may not be what you want to hear, but it's his word. And the question is, how will you respond? How will you respond? 